Hey everybody, I'm Brad Palumbo and welcome back to Damage Control, my new podcast where we're taking back the LGBT community from the leftist radicals who have taken it over. In today's episode, I react to some obscene displays of kink at Pride, an absurd declaration by the Human Rights Campaign, and a conservative reporter melting down at a Target. Then, later in the show, trans YouTuber Marcus Dibb joins me for a wide-ranging discussion on transsexualism, gender fluidity, and we break down an interesting but disturbing story out of the University of Oxford. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe, like, comment, yada yada yada, and buckle in, because it's time to do some damage control. Alright, so first up, I want to talk about this scene from a West Hollywood Pride event that is just absolutely demented. I'm sorry, but this is wildly inappropriate. Do whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. I'm really not shaming you. I don't care. Have whatever kinks you want. Do whatever. If that's the kind of thing you're into, you know, knock yourself out. But this is a public event, and the city of West Hollywood actually advertised this Pride event as family-friendly. So it's safe to assume there were kids in that audience and you are exposing them to your exhibitionism, to your kinks, and to your fetish. That is gross, that is wildly inappropriate, and that is not something that people in the LGBT community should actually stand for. Kink has nothing to do with being LGBT or, or LGBT pride. Straight people have kinks and fetishes. It's a totally separate thing. It's a choice, it's a preference, it's a habit. Our identities, our families, our lives are not. These are things about ourselves, whether it's being gay or being transgender, that we don't choose, we can't change, and we learn to live with and make the best in a world that's not always accepting. That's the case for pride. That's the case for tolerance and acceptance. It's not about whips and this kind of sexual exhibitionism in public. In fact, there's a long, offensive stereotype with no basis in reality suggesting that the gays are out to get your kids or that they're more likely to abuse children when that is not, in fact, true. But you're only playing into these myths and stereotypes when you do this kind of weird shit. Just keep it separate. Just keep it in your own private life. Your kinks don't belong at Pride. They don't belong in public in general, but they certainly don't belong in front of children. So at the bare minimum, if you're going to do this, please make it 18 plus events. That's the absolute bare minimum. And yet we're failing to meet that, apparently. Most gay people are just normal people like everyone else. They're not public sex exhibitionists and they're not trying to force anything on your children. And bad examples and bad apples like this do a lot of harm to our image and to the community. We really should not stand for this, and I just think it's so harmful and so counterproductive and so pointless. Speaking of things that are counterproductive, harmful, and pointless, let's check in on the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBT rights activist organization in the United States that frankly is really just a Democratic Party uh, activist organization at this point. They just put out an interesting new uh, announcement. 
Just days into Gay Pride Month, the human rights campaign has declared a state of emergency for LGBTQ plus people in America. HRC is one of the biggest gay rights groups in the country, and it says that it's making the declaration because of an unprecedented and dangerous spike in discriminatory legislation across the country. HRC counts 70 anti-LGBTQ bills signed into law in just 2023 alone, already more than double last year's total. The group is also releasing an Americans Fight Back guidebook to help people file complaints for violations of civil rights and to find employment in what it calls safer states. The emergency declaration is the first in the HRC's 40 years of fighting for civil rights. Y'all, I am so tired. The hysteria and hyperbole has just got to stop. The idea that in 2023, in this day and age, is some unique level of crisis or emergency for LGBT Americans is just laughable. It's just absurd. It has no basis in reality. It's completely detached from reality. The human rights campaign has been around since the 1980s. They've literally never declared this kind of national emergency in their entire history as an organization, even during the AIDS epidemic that was killing gay people while society and government basically failed to care and failed to step up and address it, even when there were still anti-sodomy laws on the books that literally made it illegal to be gay, and while gay marriage was just a pipe dream. Now, all of those things have been addressed and ameliorated uh, almost to complete extent, and yet today they're claiming that we're in a unique state of emergency because of anti-LGBT sentiment? I do think there is some backlash that's emerging as part of this pendulum swinging back the other way, but the idea that it's any worse now than it was like any time up in the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s for LGBT people is just absurd. Also, they keep harping about these anti-LGBT bills. And let's discuss what they actually mean when they talk about that. So the 70 bills, this includes stuff like pretty common sense legislation protecting women's sports and saying that people who are born biologically male can't compete in women's sports because it's not fair. We can have a debate about that and it can be complicated, but that is not exactly a matter of life and death. It is not exactly an all-out assault on transgender people it's a pretty minor role that will only affect an extreme minute percentage of an already very small population in the transgender community, which is transgender athletes, and they can still compete in sports just as their birth sex. So what we're talking about here is not exactly the end of the world. The other big category of bill they're really up in arms about is legislation that restricts the ability of for children to receive cross-sex transition medical treatments. And this is absolutely hotly contested. I personally think a lot of this legislation is onto something in that when you're 14, 15, 16, or even 11 or 12 for puberty blockers, I, I don't think children that young and teens that young can really consent and fully understand life-altering, lifelong decisions. I fully support the right once they are uh, 18 or they're legal adults or the age of consent in their state to medically transition if that's what's right for them, if they're persistent in their gender dysphoria. But 
I don't think it's insane to say that kids can't consent to sex changes. I really don't. I don't think that's an unprecedented attack on LGBT rights because until very recently, nobody was doing child sex changes in most almost any circumstances in the U.S. So at most, this is taking us back to where things were just a few years ago. And so the entire declaration, this entire hysterical alarmist narrative, it's just not based in anything. There's no there there. And to the extent there are some things that should be pushed back against, I've spoken about against certain bills, against certain commentaries, certain backlash, you are undermining the credibility of your own argument by conflating it with stuff like this, with this alarmist narrative. Whatever grains of truth that you might have or legitimate concerns or critiques, people are just going to tune you out because they're going to think you're hysterical and you're just non full of nonsense because you are. The human rights campaign at this point is a joke. It's a sham. It's actually just frankly, it's an arm of the Democratic Party at this point. I mean, in their scorecards that they give to legislators, you know, who they rank as an LGBTQ plus ally and who they don't, they actually dock you down. They mark you as anti-LGBTQ for your unrelated policy positions on things like immigration and abortion and judges and Obamacare. So it is very much a DNC partisan activist organization. And that's why I think we're seeing this hysterical shrieking. I also think, frankly, it reeks of desperation. The biggest battles that activist groups like HRC were founded and focused around were things like gay marriage, things like securing adoption rights for same-sex parents, this equality under the law and anti-discrimination protections. Most of it's been achieved, but they want to keep their multi-million dollar budget, their, you know, a lavish lifestyle where they pal around with A-list celebrities and team up for big celebrity galas. And they want to keep themselves going. They have a multi-million dollar bougie office in Washington, D.C. And I think that's what we're seeing here. They need to keep people scared and alarmed to trick their donors into thinking they still need to fund this organization, even though it's largely irrelevant these days. But I just find it so deeply disheartening and disappointing that a once venerable institution like this would just sell its soul like this, would just go all in on hysteria and hyperbole simply for partisan ends and for its own self-interest. And that is exactly what we're seeing here. And it's just a shame. The media also need to stop just uncritically parroting this, like you heard in that clip and like we saw in headlines when this dropped all across the media. Maybe actually put two seconds of scrutiny when these things happen and don't just accept activist organization statements as fact and, and not even think about them for two seconds. Because if you do, you realize that this national emergency declaration is just hysterical nonsense. All right, now let's turn to this interesting video of a One American News reporter melting down in a Target because she is very triggered and very upset by some of the Pride, but also unrelated to Pride, just gay-adjacent merchandise that Target has in its stores. Take a look. Well, I finally made my way to the uh, queer section of Target, and it's actually worse than I ever imagined. The tuck-friendly construction is alive and well. As you can see, they have a full selection, so clearly it's not doing too well. Um, but this is just out of control. I mean, really? Really? And if you thought the queer section was bad, just come on over to the card section. We're looking in the baby aisle. You'll be such amazing moms. Two dads. 
there are more cards congratulating two same-sex parents than there are regular male-female parents. And then we head over to the wedding section. Hers and hers. Mrs. and Mrs. I mean, this is completely out of control. You know what's actually out of control? Conservative Karens. Conservative snowflakes. I'm old enough to remember five seconds ago when the right thought melting down over little things was snowflakery, was political correctness, was something only woke liberals do. Well, now it sure seems like a lot of fragile conservatives can't handle seeing a little bit of a product they don't like or that, that, that isn't relevant to them personally. And I'm not talking about the tuck-friendly swimsuits. I think there's some legitimate critiques to be made of some of the Target merchandise that's targeted to kids and has to do with trans stuff. And if she just stuck the video with that, I wouldn't be reacting to it. But the idea that you are triggered and outraged over cards acknowledging or celebrating same-sex weddings, get a grip, Allison. Gay couples exist. Gay marriage exists. People are going to celebrate loving wedding and unions between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And guess what? You need a card that acknowledges that if you're going to give a gift or give a card to a same-sex wedding. And those are at Target year-round. It actually has nothing to do with Pride Month. If you're not going to be going to any gay weddings, don't purchase those cards and move it along. Get about your business. Worry about your own self. The same thing applies for the whole thing about two moms and two dads in these cards celebrating a child. Gay people have kids. They adopt. They do surrogacy. Gay parents and same-sex couples are parents. They do have kids. This exists in the real world, and other people choose to acknowledge and celebrate it because it's actually a wonderful thing. And if you don't want to, that's fine, but you have no right to be outraged over the fact that cards exist acknowledging this reality that you don't personally like. I'll be frank. It's clear Allison here just doesn't like gay people. She's just actually homophobic. And I say that as somebody who thinks that's thrown around far too often, but what else are we supposed to conclude when the very existence of goods acknowledging same-sex couples triggers you so much that you post a viral video and try to target the company over it? And once again, it only distracts from whatever legitimate critiques you might have about transgender-related merchandise for children when you start getting triggered by the card displays. And now, also, the whole thing about there are more cards for same-sex couples than there are straight couples, I'm calling bullshit on that one. That's just definitely not true, because there's a simple numerical reality. There are a lot more heterosexual weddings than gay weddings, and places like Target stock their card displays based on supply and demand based on how much of things they can sell. I mean, that is what they're doing. So I, I've never seen a card display. I've, I've seen lots of them that have those kinds of cards, acknowledging same-sex weddings and gay couples. Never have I ever seen one where there's more of those than the straight couples. So I just don't believe that part of this video. I think Allison it maybe is just being a little dramatic on that one. In fact, the entire rant that has now been viewed millions of times is just dramatic, snowflakey. It's Karening, and it honestly is not a good look. For those of us on the right, this behavior is what we're supposed to be better than. When we criticize cancel culture and the snowflakery, the solution is not to embrace it and just use it to pursue right-wing reactionary ends. That's actually the worst of both worlds. All right, guys, now that I've gotten a few things off my chest, let's turn to my conversation with Marcus Dib, a transgender YouTuber. We get into all things transsexualism and a couple interesting controversies. Marcus, it's great to talk to you. Thank you for having me. 
So maybe to start, can you just tell us your story of how you got into this weird little world of online right-leaning LGBT creators? Like, what was your path here? Yeah, so I'm a transsexual from female to male, and I've always been anti-political correctness. So um, when I started to see the rise in trans activism and how radical, um, you know, it is nowadays, I kind of wanted a space where I could speak my mind and I got inspired by Bla Blair White of course um, she inspired me to start my own channel or my making my own content um, so yeah I just started doing it and I haven't stopped since so you mentioned that you're transsexual and so you're a trans transsexual man um, what exactly does that mean to you yeah, I prefer to use the term transsexual uh, and not transgender because transgender is now a political term, um, which includes so many fake gender identities. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, it's the, the people who, um, you know, within the trans community, they claim that you don't need gender dysphoria to be trans and you don't need to medically transition in order to be trans. And I don't agree with that at all. So the term transsexual, as you can imagine, is a more old fashioned term. And I can relate more to that because, you know, I describe my situation as I'm a biological woman with the medical uh, condition called gender dysphoria. And I medically transitioned in order to. Can you explain what you mean by gender dysphoria? Yeah. So gender dysphoria is a mental disorder that kind of describes the, you know, discomfort to say the least uh about one person's uh, biological sex um and you know the only way we know so far uh, on how we can treat it is to medically transition um so that's what i did so it's really interesting to me because when i was first introduced to the idea of transsexualism or transgenderism depending what term people want to use uh, is when I was in college and what I was originally told, this was maybe seven or eight years ago now, was that sex and gender are two different things. That you your biological sex is your chromosomes, you know, you can't change that. But then your gender is how you express yourself socially and all the things we attach to that. And that at least made some sense to me. Um, but I feel like over the last few years, that nuance and distinction has been totally evaporated. And now from the trans activist community, it's like they literally want to act as though people are whatever sex they identify as. They want, including in the United States, the Equality Act would redefine the term sex under federal law to be self-identified, whatever you identify as. And I've never had any problem with the idea that Somebody who's born with XX chromosomes might grow up and as an adult want to live socially as the other gender, change their body, change their pronouns. I've always really had no issue with that. Um, but what has always bothered me is what has felt like a little bit of gaslighting, pretending that therefore the science doesn't exist. The biological sex doesn't change. And in this manifests, manifests itself in, for example, the conversation about sports and transgender women or transsexual women competing in women's sports, even though they were born biologically male, they went through biologically male puberty, and obviously just as a scientific fact, 
that has some ramifications that make it not fair in many sports. And so is is that distinction how you view it or do you how do you kind of parse that that definition and how it's changed over time? Yeah, so I actually think that gender and sex is the same thing um because to say that I'm a biological woman but my gender is a a man like I'm a man but a biological woman well what is a man then and to me you know I think it's really important that we keep those definitions what is a woman what is a man and I am a woman with a mental disorder I I can say that with no issues because the the thing is I've transitioned I've been on testosterone for almost four years I've had two related gender related surgeries um so in almost every single social situation i'm being seen as a man i'm being perceived as a man um but that doesn't mean my gender like my true gender is a man um so so that's and and it's funny because i'm from denmark uh, europe and in danish we only have one word um so like gender and sex those are two different words we only have one and i think that says a lot to be honest um so you know, there's a difference. Uh, sometimes there's a difference between what your true gender is and then how you're perceived uh, in society, if that makes sense. And is that what you think the difference is that makes someone transsexual? I mean, the most important thing to understand when it comes to transsexualism is, you know, it is science. Um, because w- when we see trans activism and how they're, you know, uh, they're anti-science but it's like well gender dysphoria is biological it's something that people are born with and there's scientific evidence behind being a transsexual um but it doesn't mean that transsexuals are truly like factually the opposite gender um or sex you know same thing in my opinion so i just think that's important to 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 understand that like gender dysphoria explains everything when it comes to this whole debate. Well, what's really interesting is that trans activists actually push back on the what they call the medicalization of transness and trans issues, and they think it's like harmful and bigoted. But to me, at least, it's always been the opposite. It's that the medical and scientific basis for gender dysphoria is what gives adults who are trans like legitimacy right? That they're, okay, it is important for them to do this. We should respect this because it actually has a basis in, a basis in science. It's not just some hippie foo-foo, social feeling, fad, whatever, for people genuinely who have gender dysphoria, which is not all of the current trans community, to say the least. Um, so I've always thought it weird that they get angry at people who try to base transness in, in science and medicine. And the weird part is if we if the government is trying to take that medicine away from these people, they call it anti-trans rights. So, I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you know, it, it isn't a human right, especially for children. It's actually against their human rights to to being forced to, to receive this medical transition. But just in general, if you don't need a medical transition in order to be trans why is it anti-trans rights if you don't have access to it that's the part i don't understand yeah so that's not very consistent so i want to get your reaction to a couple things uh that i came across over the last week 
that are under this umbrella of topics. Up first, this is a TikTok I went into expecting not to like, but actually kind of liked parts of it. Take a listen to this. So when I say my pronouns are they, them, I'm just letting you know, yo, I would like for you to acknowledge the fact that I'm not a man or a woman, that I exist outside of this binary. But if you don't do that, that's your problem. It's not mine. You cannot misgender me because my gender is something that is personal and beautiful. Oh, my God. The way that the energies flow through me that created whatever the fuck we got going on over here is unique. It's unprecedented. So I'm not mad at you for being confused. I like I'm not mad at you for getting it wrong, to be honest. But I'm not going to that's not my work to help you fix that. You know, good luck, baby. Good luck. So, look, I don't really think the whole they, them pronouns thing and the non-binary thing is legitimate. I don't really think it makes sense. But I will say this. I appreciate that this TikToker, unlike a lot of the ones, seems pretty confident in their sense of self that they don't need people. He, he doesn't need people to affirm him. He's like, if you don't want to do it, that's your problem. I'm fine. I believe myself to be this way. I actually really like that because a lot of them have this like projected narcissism where they're like, you will respect me. You will use my pronouns. And I actually think you shouldn't, if you're an adult, go around in the world constantly needing everybody's affirmation. Like if you're so truly strong and confident in your identity, it should be independently resilient. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I was also pleasantly surprised and I, I like when he said something about, I do expect you to use they, them, if we're going to be friends or, you know, if we're going to um, get to know each other. And that makes sense. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't think that non-binary is a real thing. It is not a real thing. That's a fact. Um, so if someone is claiming to be non-binary, I'm perfectly fine with not having a deeper relationship with them. Um you know what I mean? So it's sometimes I joke with my friends and I say, well, sometimes it's nice to see people having their pronouns in their bios because then you know what type of people to avoid. Um, so it's kind of the same thing with him. There is a certain personality type that corresponds with pronouns and bio that has nothing to do with the actual pronouns because a lot of times it's just the typical pronouns, she, her, or he, him. But it's like a certain militant type of social justice personality is the kind that puts their pronouns in their bio. Not always, but often. So it does kind of, it is a little bit of a red flag sometimes. Yeah, and it's nice to know them beforehand. It's also interesting to me when people do like she slash they, <clears throat> because it's like, how can you simultaneously be non-binary, but all, which means you feel as if you're not either sex or gender? yet also be comfortable being referred to as one of the, the two genders. It's, the whole thing is rather incoherent to me. Mm. Well, I consider that being lazy because you don't want to be a they, them, but you don't want to be a she, her. So, yeah, it's laziness. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, this guy in this video, and no hate to him personally, but... If you're going to call yourself non-binary, yet still maintain such an obviously masculine appearance for audio listeners, this guy looks completely like a man in every way. It doesn't seem to me, and he's not, to his credit, he's saying, I don't, if you don't want to use my pronouns, that, that's your thing. I'm, but 
it doesn't seem very fair to expect people to view you as gender neutral if you completely present yourself as gender typical. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the thing is, there's no such thing as looking gender neutral because, I mean, we're programmed to recognize people as either male or female. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to tell, but after a few seconds, you're like, that's a woman, that's a man. That's just how our brains work. Um, and even though I appreciate his calm energy instead of this narcissistic energy we do see a lot within the non-binary community i just wonder what is the point then if you don't care that people misgender you what's the point because I, well i don't understand the point either way but i I, I, just, <laughs> I just if if you don't have the biggest problem with it is it really that important why can't you just be a he, him, then. Well, I, let me ask you this, then. How do you feel about uh, they, them, non-binary being lumped in with trans? Because from the activists of the world, they want to lump that in as part of the transgender umbrella. Yeah, I, I consider it cultural appropriation, actually. I, I think they, <laughs> I think that they, thems um, are just regular people who have been looking at the trans community for many years and been like, I want to be a part of that, too. But they don't really have gender dysphoria because that's a biological disorder, right? Um, and you can't, you can't like choose to have it. <laughs> so they're like, huh, how can I be a part of that, get all the, the attention, the positive affirmation without actually transitioning? And then non-binary was born. That's my theory. <laughs> yeah, I think genuinely like being trans, actually being trans is not a fad. It is not. Now, there are some cases where maybe it's people who say they are trans who aren't actually, but legitimately people who have gender dysphoria is not a choice. It's not a fad. It's not a trend. I actually do think non-binary is a trend to some extent. I think it is a fad because it requires very little of you. You can just say, I'm non-binary now. You don't actually have to change anything about your personality. You don't even have to change your pronouns, which is strange. Um, and so it really is a way, especially among Gen Z, where um, being part of the alphabet people has become a form of social currency of clout, right? It's like, oh, I'm I'm a marginalized community or I'm not a cishet person. There are few things worse among Gen Z than being cishet. I think the only thing worse is being a Republican. Um, Christian. So, I, yeah, I, I just find it funny. I do kind of think it's the same thing. And like we were saying before, I think it's fundamentally kind of incoherent so, for example, take a look at this gender-fluid TikToker who was profiled by Pink News. Hi, my name is Sierra Kai. I'm 17, and I am gender-fluid and bisexual. Gender-fluid means that I can switch from being feminine to masculine to neither or both. I can go for days, weeks, months of being masculine and feminine, neither or both. I switch a lot, and it's, it is kind of confusing, but it's, it's just a feeling that I can't really control. So for audio listeners, this 17-year-old who's supposedly gender fluid is just shown in this video flashing through different outfits that are like one's more masculine and one's more feminine. And I'm like, hold on. So by gender fluid, we're supposed to believe that this is like a identity, but it's literally just sometimes her wearing different fashion styles is, is all that's actually shown as what it means to be gender fluid. Like, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's so concerning how these young people have the wrong perception of what it means to be a man and a woman. And I think the non the 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 whole theory of 
there are more than two genders is just an intolerant theory because she's implying that women can't wear masculine clothing, which I don't really think she would. Like a camouflage or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's so intolerant. Like, so she's not a woman, she wouldn't, or a girl, she wouldn't call herself a girl just because her gender expression, which is not the same um, as her gender, her, her sex, it, it kind of changes, which I don't really consider it. Um, I, I don't think she's changing that much. <laughs> but, uh, I, I think it's so intolerant and it's it's the young generation thinking like this and it's weird to me. So, I mean, it's literally like, for example, her one where she's feeling like neither that day, she's just wearing camo print clothes that are like athletic fitting or whatever. And it's like, it's actually a deeply regressive and kind of sexist view of gender that these are boys clothes and these are girls clothes. I've always thought that with the exception of the rare people with genuine gender dysphoria, I think people should just be allowed to be more masculine girls or more uh, feminine boys, right? Because uh, a lot of the stuff that we attach to gender really doesn't have anything to do with gender, at least it shouldn't. So if you want to wear pink and you're a boy, that's fine. It doesn't make you gender fluid. It just makes you a boy who wears pink. If you're a girl and you want to wear camo, it doesn't make you gender queer. It just makes you a little butch girl a little bit. Like, what's wrong with that? And how is this perverse idea that you have to, like, be gender queer, gender fluid in order to dress certain ways? How is that progressive? Exactly. And and why is she why is she posting it on TikTok? Because you know the people who are who are like, oh, I'm just being myself. I'm just being me. I'm like this. I'm like that. I'm just being myself. Are you? Because you keep talking about it and you keep showing it off. If you're just being yourself, don't talk about it. That's literally the opposite of just being yourself when you keep bringing it up and thinking that you're special. You know what I mean? That's the problem is they get social currency from it. They get clout from it. It gets them likes and views. And that's fine, right? You and I both create content. We want to get views and likes. But there's a little bit of a problem when you're incentivizing people with attention to identify as part of these perceived victim groups. Like clearly you are going to increase the number of people identifying as them beyond what it actually is. And when it's children and young teenagers, I'm just getting really concerned um, because that, you know, children and, and teenagers need the validation more than anyone, basically. So and they're so susceptible to social influence and peer pressure. It's like, do they really identify these things or is it cool? Is it a fad? Is it some, what they're being bombarded with on TikTok and Instagram and in the case of just like somebody who's genderqueer and dressing different ways, it's relatively low stakes. But in the case of some of, of this where they're getting surgeries or taking hormones or taking blockers or these things aren't reversible in many cases, right? So if you realize down the line, it's not actually what's right for you, um, but you were 17 at the time, I think, look, nobody's really well equipped to make life-altering decisions at 16 or 17 i know i sure wasn't and me neither even though i am trans i was 20 until i started my physical transition and it's easy for me to say now that oh i could have done it way earlier sure because i'm on the other side and i'm an adult um but i wasn't ready to do all this when i was 16 and and i hate when people say well does it need to be an 18 plus limit what about 17 what about 16 what about 15 like 
do you remember when you were 15 how stupid you were and like immature and and all those things like it's so disappointing when people don't get it you know i mean we don't let you get a tattoo i don't know what it's like uh where you are but in the u.s you can't get a tattoo at 16 right like because yeah. it's permanent yeah and you can't even drink a beer which i think is ridiculous <laughs> but yeah yeah also i i agree but um all right one last story i want to to discuss with you have you ever heard of kathleen stock um maybe i hadn't heard about her before but apparently in in england she's a big gender critical feminist or what critics people who don't like them call them turfs mm -hmm. trans exclusionary radical feminists though they reject that label so she is a former professor She's like a feminist. She's been very critical of, of trans issues and transgender stuff. I looked at her views uh, briefly. I didn't do like a deep dive, but she didn't seem to be a genuinely hateful person. She just seemed to have kind of like a very critical view and a, a, a very f feminist view that completely rejects, um, for example, sharing spaces or any of these things. Honestly, probably a, significantly less open-minded on it than somebody like me is, but the the real story here is actually one of free speech because Kathleen Stock was supposed to participate in a debate at Oxford. Oxford hosts like legendary debates. It's it's a one of the most famous universities in the world. They're all about debate and speech, but Oxford students, these woke activists, tried to stop it to the point of literally one of them gluing herself to the floor to try to block it. Watch this. It is genuinely insane. This is demented and childish behavior. Yeah, it really is. I mean, oh my God, where to start? It really should. It, it's a perfect example of what will happen if you, if we keep lying to people who are not feeling great mentally, because there are many people who struggle with their mental health. And if you keep lying to them about what's happening in their community, in their, in, you know, in their country, you're going to push them into doing really stupid things. And in this case, it's just gluing her down to, to the ground. But in other cases, it, it's more serious. And, um, you know, I, I'm thinking of, of Nashville, Tennessee, what happened a couple of months ago. Um, so with, with a trans identified person who unalived six people, and that's because she was a person who was clearly struggling with her mental health and 
she was in the trans community that keeps lying about what's going on. They say trans people are under attack. Trans people are under attack. We're losing our rights. We we, we cannot live anymore because of all these new laws and, and stuff. So if you keep saying that to people who are ready to do literally anything, it gets me really, really worried. I, I'm always I'm always in support of debate and free speech. I'm never on the support of the of the side trying to censor or block debate from happening. Um, and I think it shows that people like this this person's name is Riz um, it, it are afraid that their ideas can't withstand scrutiny, that they don't actually have good arguments to make. But what was I was more disturbed by than just the actions of one uh, demented individual was the reaction of the crowd cheering and celebrating this person like some kind of hero instead of the childish fool that they actually are. I mean, that's a bad look for the LGBT community, but for trans people in particular, to have folks like this being representative of of the community because, I don't know, it's not a good look. Yeah, and she does not represent, like, trans people at all. And I'm, I'm just really disappointed about what's happening right now with, with trans activists. I feel like in the past, like a couple of years ago, it was just a entire different debate or or a different space and we we're making fun of people with blue hair and and septum piercings but now it i think it's getting really serious as i said so yeah and and yeah that's that's the problem people are applauding it and what happened in nashville um of course most rational people called this woman a, a woman and she but the trans community they tried to to condemn what happened, but they couldn't because they were saying you can't misgender him because he identified as a trans man. Yes, he unalived six people, including three children, but you got to respect his pronouns. So priorities. <laughs> so that's where we're at right now. And I did not expect that. I, I I'm su I'm surprised, honestly. Yeah, I also will just say that uh, the police arrested this person, but then unarrested her with no actual charges. And I'm sorry, that's not going to cut it for me. If you're trying to block people from speaking, you're trying to violate their rights. There have to be actual consequences, or they'll just do it again. I mean, this is basic stuff. Yeah. But yeah. So uh, w one final thing is this same university at the U st students at the University of Oxford. There's reporting from the Telegraph here. Uh, Oxford College threatens to expel students who misgender trans peers. Uh, they unveiled a harassment policy with tough measures for anyone caught consistently using incorrect pronouns. Uh, incorrect in the eyes of who, I would ask. So students at the University of Oxford could be expelled for misgendering their peers under a college's new transgender harassment policy. Regents Park College, once called home by the goddaughter of the late Diana, Prince of Wales, has launched a campaign against transphobia with a trans inclusion statement. The new policy says that unlawful discriminatory behavior, including transphobic harassment or bullying, will be regarded extremely seriously and could be grounds for disciplinary action. It lists examples of harassment, and those supposedly include consistently using incorrect titles, pronouns, or names to refer to a trans person, especially where this causes distress. The college's students are also banned from, do, uh, from unduly intrusive or personal questioning, 
making jokes about trans people or their trans status, and denying or disputing the validity or existence of a trans person's identity. And students who break this policy could face expulsion or dismissal. I, I think that's nuts. And I think that is a gross attack on free speech. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually want to say I don't agree with the whole term misgendering. Um, and I thought about this the other day because there's no such thing as my pronouns. Because the point of having pronouns is it's for other people to use about you. So you can't say, well, my pronouns are this. It's like, well, I'm the one talking about you, addressing you, you know, when you're not there or whatever the case might be. So you don't have control over your pronouns, how other people refer to you as. So if you don't have your own pronouns, how can you get misgendered? That doesn't yeah. really make and sense. Who gets to decide what pronouns are correct and incorrect? You know, on the last episode, we discussed somebody, uh, some pr materials that were given to children promoting tree pronouns, tree and tree self. So if a student at this college starts identifying as a f tree, other students are allowed to question that. They're required to use that. I mean, this is brain cancer, right? This is supposed to be a place of academic debate and the exchange of ideas. But they're saying these these ideas are off the table. You can't even question them. And if you do, you could be expelled. Obviously, like literal bullying and targeted harassment is, is always wrong against trans people or against anyone. But simply using words other people don't like is a fundamental part of free speech. And if you... if anything that hurts my feelings is not allowed, well, something always hurts somebody's feelings. Why should a trans person's feelings negate other people's right to speak their mind? Well, it's it's because it's not about trans people. This has nothing to do with being trans. It has nothing to do with transsexualism because all real transsexual people know that, you know, they don't get easily offended they don't think that society has to change just to please them. Like all trans, I can say that with confidence, all transsexual people don't want society to change fundamentally, but these activists do. And that's because trans activism and transsexualism have nothing to do with each other. Not at all. Um, so yeah, I couldn't disagree with this more because of that. Like we, 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 we live in the same world. We are all human beings, and everyone, um, everyone can offend anyone. It's impossible to right. know. <laughs> so, and I consider myself an equal. I don't know about trans activism uh, activists. They see themselves as equals. But all right. So, where can people find more of your work if they want to uh, hear more of what you have to say? Yeah, sure. You can find me on YouTube, um, Marcus Deep D I B. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and yeah, <laughs> and Rumble right. under the same name. Oh, and Rumble. The links to all of Marcus's channels will be in the show notes. Marcus, thanks so much for coming on and talking with me today. Yeah, thank you so much. I had a great time. All right, guys. Thank you all so much for watching today. This podcast has been a huge success so far. If you are enjoying it, be sure to rate and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Or if you're hanging out with us on YouTube, make sure you've liked, commented, that you're subscribed, and everything else. Thank you so much, and I'll see you all next week.